Hello, I'm Tamia Spence and welcome to my podcast. First, this podcast I would like to talk about is some vocabulary words and what we've learned so far in sports entertainment marketing. So first, what I think we learned in sports entertainment marketing is, of course, marketing. Marketing is the process of developing, promoting, and distributing products or goods and services to satisfy customer needs and wants. Next would be marketing concept, which is the idea that organizations need to satisfy their customers while also trying to reach their organization goals. Another word would be market, which is potential customers with shared needs who have the desire and ability to buy a product. Now, all three of these words that I've said, marketing, marketing concept, and market, all have a key word, market, in it. But each of these definitions also have to do with selling of goods or services and buying or satisfying needs of goods and services. The next word I want to compare is needs and wants. Needs is a lack of basic necessities such as food, clothing, or shelter, while wants is something that people desire based on personality, experiences, or information about a product. Most people get these two confused because they think they need toys, they think they need a phone, but really they want it. Needs is food. You need food to live. You need water to live. But you don't need toys to live and you don't need a phone or TV to live. I just wanted to clear that for some people that don't understand the difference. The next word I would like to look at is target market, which is a specific group of consumers that an organization selects as the focus of its marketing plan, which is kind of similar to marketing mix in a way, which is a combination of four basic marketing strategies known as the four P's. Product, price, place, and promotion. I think these two kind of go together because for a target market, you need its focus of a marketing plan. You need consumers, which is yourself, that organize and select focus of its marketing plan, while the marketing mix covers all of it, which is product, price, place, and promotion. Next word I would like to talk about is channel of distribution, which is a path a product takes from the producer to a consumer. The product starts one spot, and then it travels a bunch of places till it reaches the store or place you're going to buy it from. And you are the consumer, so you buy the product. You're who everyone looks to to purchase their product. The next word is profit. Profit is the money left after all costs of expenses of a business are paid. Profit is something that you have to make based off of what you sell. If I sell pets if i sell dogs then after all these dogs have been sold or an amount of dogs have been sold i make a profit from it and then i can use that profit for needs wants anything you want helping more dogs get more homes anything Next is competition. Competition is a characteristic of free enterprise, which is also the struggle among companies for customers. It's like Samsung and Apple. These two are competitors. Some people think it's one-sided with iPhone, but I think they're really big competitors because everyone chooses either Samsung or an iPhone. Honestly, if you think about it, there's really no difference. They both do the same thing, but it's just one has better quality or a better look of a device or a better 
service if you buy a service that works better with your phone people just tend to think because apple may have a few better features they think samsung doesn't but samsung has good features you just have to know about the phone to know it some more words that i think would really go good with this is demographics demographics are common characteristics of a group such as age reign material status gender ethnic ethnic background income level and education level another word would be distribution which is the locations and methods used to make products available to customers entertainment which is whatever people are willing to spend their money on and spending their spare time viewing and participating in financing which requires a company to budget for its own marketing activities and provide customers with assistance and paying for the company's product or services and pricing and um, price which is the process of communicating the value of goods and services hello this is a continue from my last podcast it's crazy because I'm going to talk about this rivalry that's been going on for years. That's not really a rivalry, but people think it is just because of how long it's been going on. And this rivalry is between the two tennis stars, Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova. So first, how did we get to the point in the Maria versus Serena rivalry? With Serena on a staggering eight-match winning streak against Sharapova. It's crazy because they've been doing this for 13 years and both have been winning and losing at the top. But here's how it started. In 2004, all that was standing between Serena Williams and the third straight Wimbledon title was a 17-year-old Russian. Serena was, the, of course, the favorite in the final, but was noticeably tense in the entire match, which a carefree Sharapova capitalized on. She won five straight games to grab the first set in 30 minutes, and despite having to come down from a break in the second set, needed only 43 minutes to close out the match and become the third youngest champion in Wilmington history. In her press conference, Serena really not so nice that she only played at 20% of her desired level. If the match itself didn't provide the foundation of the next 14 years of the feud, what happened in the locker room certainly did, though, because the public didn't find out for it more than a decade. But the two later on had a rematch in the final of the year's WTA championship. Serena claimed the last meeting wasn't on her mind. She didn't believe she played at the Wimbledon final, she said. I don't know who it was, but that was someone else. I wasn't at Wimbledon this year. But the result was the same. Despite trailing 4-0 in the third set, Sharapova stormed back to win the final six games and put Serena on notice. The Russian led the series 2-1 and the tennis world was primed for another great rivalry. But Maria also hasn't defeated Serena, Serena Williams since. Because next would be the domination. Their next meeting took place just two months later in the semifinals of the Australian Open in the match. With its 2-6-7-5-8-6 scoreline live to the hype. This was happening. And it was all downhill from there. 
Sharapova won five games combined in her next two losses to Serena. She lost 19 of her next 20 sets. There was a 6-0, 6-1 beatdown in a highly anticipated 2012 Olympic gold medal match. In their last eight matches in the biggest events, slams, WTA championships, and Olympics, Sharapova hasn't won a set. Since 2007, Serena has won 94% of the sets they've played, 34 out of 36. Overall, the streak has lasted 18 matches over 13 years after starting the series down at 2-1. Serena now leads 19-2. Or, look at it this way, the last time Sharapova Sharapova defeated Serena, Facebook was the Facebook. It's not like there's a good answer as to why Sharapova hasn't won a match in the rivalry in more than 700 weeks. Maybe it's just her game and strategy just doesn't match up perfectly with Serena's, but really, who does? Yes, of course, Sharapova's excellent return game is muted by Serena's power serves. Yes, Sharapova's second serve is one of the greatest liabilities for any recent tennis great, but those aren't reasons why it should be... Why the reason the series should be set four to seven, fourteen to seven, not nineteen to two? Maybe it's mental, the theory that breaks new ground, mind you, which is especially odd given the most mentally tough player this side Serena is, Sheriff over herself. They've also had some beef, which wasn't great, but weren't exactly but they weren't exactly breaking each other's hair in the locker room. But it also wasn't until 2013 that their shade went public. It's crazy because Serena took huge shots at Sharapova without mentioning by her name. She quoted, She begins every interview with, I'm so happy, I'm so lucky. It's so boring, she says in a loud voice. She's still not going to be invited to the cool parties. And hey, if she wants to be with the guy with the black heart, go for it, she said. The quote-unquote guy with black heart was thought to be Sharapova's boyfriend at the time, who briefly dated Serena in the past. But Sharapova also fired back before the Wimbledon by bringing up rumors of Serena dating her coach. At the beginning, with some pleasantries, Sharapova dropped the bomb, quote-unquote. If she wants to talk about something personal, maybe she should talk about her relationship and her boyfriend that was married and is getting a divorce and has kids. Talked about other things, but not draw attention to other things. She has so much in her life, many positives, and I think that is what it should be about. But then she came at the memoir in the last year's quote-unquote unstoppable my life so far. Sharapova stroked the fire by telling the story all the way back to that Wimbledon fire so many years ago. She quoted, What I heard when I came into the locker room after the match was Serena Williams bawling. Sobs, she like was crying. I got out as quickly as I could, but I knew she was there. People often wondered why I had so much trouble beating Serena. My record against her is 2-19. and 19. To me, the answer was this in the locker room. Quoting, I think Serena hated me for being the skinny kid who beat her. Against all odds at Wilmington, but mostly I think she hated me for hearing her cry. Not long after the tournament, I heard Serena told a friend, who then told me I will never lose to that bleep again, what she quoted. But going back to more of their beef, there's been a lot to unpack. Why was that a tactic understanding between them two? Why was hating the skinny kid who 
is also taller than Serena. Why would that lose? Why would that lead to a mostly one-sided big-time rivalry in sports history? Is she trying to just justify her losses to compete against Serena or is she admitting that she motivated Serena in being quote-unquote unstoppable? The psychology between the comments are fascinating, but it's still crazy how Serena's first extensive comments about the book came in Paris ahead of their non-meeting in the fourth round. It's classic Serena. But why would you say it and then it be something that has nothing to do? Maybe the lack of self-awareness or the complete disregard for it is staggering. Without rehashing Serena's entire history, it's not a stretch to say she's been autologist to the opponents and officials at anyone else on the WTA. She's quote-unquote always said women should bring each other up. Was she saying that while threatening to shove tennis balls at line women are shouting? But it's crazy because people make Serena seem like the quote-unquote angry black woman. But I'm not going to get into racial things about tennis because that's definitely not what it's about. But it's still a walkover for Serena because Serena plays multiple times, days, every day. She plays to her hardest and then gets shoved down by a Russian who tries to come up with excuses of why she can't beat her. You can't beat Serena because she's a force to be reckoned with. Serena comes with power, strategy, shots. She comes with everything that's needed to play tennis. Why do you think tennis is really named after her? But this rivalry, I think it's going to stop because it's no rivalry. Yes, Serena plays to win, especially against Sharapova because of her first two losses, which were really hard on her. I mean, you go to these big two tournaments and then lose to a newcomer who just walked in. But I have props for Sharapova. She's definitely tried and worked hard to be ranked number one. But same as Serena, who's been ranked number one for the longest time. People still think it's a rivalry, but I just think it's old news now. Everyone knows Serena is the greatest tennis player to be alive. And that Maria Sharapova was just a step in her great success to prove why she is the best. But I think I'm going to stop here on this podcast because if I get more into it, it's just going to get more feeling-wise. But I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and I thank you so much for watching. Stay tuned. Bye. I also wanted to come back up here quickly and say that this podcast was something that was really cool to make, honestly. There's a lot of ups and downs in making podcasts about sports and especially rivalries, but it's just crazy to think that Maybe one day I'll actually do this. But once again, thank you for listening and tuning in to my podcast. I'm Tamia Spence, and I hope you enjoyed.